Welcome, everyone, to the Launchpad here in Puckburg, a podcast for the daring do bad and good puck tales on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sullivan, aka Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Puck Tales. Woohoo! And the you know who on the other end of the woohoo is none other than Mario Tarabasi of Bleacher Nation and Bleacher Nation Blackhawks. How's it going, my friend? Good, good. I, I, I'm. Man, I just all the '90s are just coming back to me. It's, <laughs> it's I, I, I love it. Yeah, the rush of '90s nostalgia is it. The force is strong with this one. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It's you know, it's funny. Um, uh, my wife and I uh, were were just talking about this the uh, the other day. Uh, my 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 birthday is in the first two weeks of January. Um, in and I was born in 1990, so it was funny. I, we were just kind of talking like. Cause I was, I was like basically like 10 days away from being an eighties baby. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I, I had, I had to wait to the nineties, but yeah, it's uh, man, that's, that's, that's definitely a throwback that I appreciate. <laughs> and that's crazy. I'm, I'm middle of January 89 for my birthday. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, there you I, go. I got to experience one year of the end of the eighties. Just uh, enough, just enough of it. I was born when the Calgary Flames hoisted the cup. So, or was playing. Yeah. The, the, what, the 89, 90 season. Yeah. So sorry, Calgary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's first, it is an honor to have you on. Um, This came about um, the Puckberg OG Beth. um, She's a huge fan of the show. She saw your, your tweet talking about what's been trending on Twitter with, podcast appearance fees and she reached out to you and tagged me in it and you willingly came on and i completely am honored that you're on so first of all thank you for that yeah yeah of course yeah i mean there's always there's always something to uh to 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 divide and conquer the masses on twitter so it was just something i i saw and was just like oh i'll 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 give my two cents and, and see what uh see what people have to say but yeah i'm, I'm happy to be here I'm, I'm glad you reached out and um yeah excited for uh for the appearance and you know after the past year and a half two years that we've had in this country i think this is a a sign that nature's healing that we're fighting over this on twitter <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot better than it has been in, in the past that's for sure I'd, yeah. I'd rather i'd rather argue about the hockey and and the stupid things than yeah. things that are bigger than myself <laughs> Yeah, we have this going on on Twitter, and the Arizona Coyotes are going back to the Kachina. So, yes, everything is right in the world again. Yeah, speaking of of '90s nostalgia. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's let's uh, let's start with your hockey story, your puck tale, if you will. Um, where did it all start? And tell me what about the game of hockey stood out to you? Well, um, I originally was uh, born and raised in uh, southeastern Wisconsin in a uh, border town of Illinois and Wisconsin called Kenosha. Um, 
so I, you know, winters, obviously, you know, going and winter sports and, and ice skating was, was something that was, uh, you know, part of every kid's life growing up in, in that area. And I actually got introduced to the game kind of late for a kid to be playing it. Um, right around the age of 10, uh, is when I, you know, started to like, you know, decide to get into like, Oh, I'm going to play hockey. Cause you know, I I'd known about it, followed it a little bit, um, here and there when I was a kid, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't the top of my, you know, top of my sports list, but, um, you know, just kind of got into, into ice skating and, um, got into, you know, playing a little bit, but like I said, I was so, so late in the like kid development stages that like when you're out there and you're clearly the worst player, it's not a lot of fun. <laughs> So I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't stick with the, you know, the organized leagues too long. Um, but you know, I just, we would, you know, just play and play on, you know, play on the, the frozen lake, uh, near, near my grandparents' house at the time. And, um, just, you know, just, just having fun. And as I got more into it, um, playing it myself, I had a family member, uh, a cousin who was, um, he he was playing some some high level high level uh junior hockey at the time ended up getting drafted by the new york rangers um in and then ended up playing college hockey in notre dame so that was like really cool for me as a as a you know 11 to 12 year old to be like oh you know a family member really integrated into it um as a player and so that was something that was just cool to see and um you know my my family would take a few trips to to Notre Dame to go see him play, uh, a couple times every year. And then, um, when he did go into the professional ranks, he, he didn't really, he didn't get to the NHL. Um, but he did play some games in the AHL. Mm -hmm. So he ended up playing with the Grand Rapids Griffins, which would, you know, come to Milwaukee and, and play the Admirals. So that was close to me. So when he was when he was with those teams that we would go up to Milwaukee and, and see him play a few times there too. So that was definitely like, you know, getting introduced to the game, playing it, um, having a family member like in it and kind of, you know, on that track to the NHL when I was a kid was, was really cool. Um, so that really just, you know, started to, uh, to tie me into the game at, at that time. And then, um, you know, being, being in Southeastern Wisconsin, the most Southeastern point of the state um really close to chicago and that was the only nhl team that was that was close by um but at that point in time they weren't on tv so it was kind of just like through you know reading the paper and then also the uh the nhl video games at the time yes that's how i that's i was like okay blackhawks like i'll you know i can get in i can get into that and um they weren't on TV. They weren't very good. So it wasn't something that I was like, you know, really pumped up to be, but it was like, Oh yeah, I'll root for the Blackhawks. Sure. Um, and then obviously throughout time, uh, that, that changed, um, as, as I went through high school and, uh, and then, yeah, I just kind of grew from there. Wow. That's you, you got your fandom entrenched in all different facets of it with the playing aspect, watching family members go up through the ranks into the show. And then, growing that love with the Blackhawks and the notorious, like the, the stringent blackouts that, um, yeah, yeah, that, that was a thing. Yeah. And well, and, and to be, being where I was, um, WGN, 
was huge mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in that area. The, the town I grew up in is split 50-50 between like, um, you know, Bears and Packers. There's, there's more Cubs fans than Brewers fans. Um, and, and, you know, growing up, like, like my parents' generation and beyond that, like Chicago sports at WGN, that was what they got, you know, on radio and TV. So there's a big influence of Chicago in that town, um, even though it is, you know, in Wisconsin. So that was, you know, that was another thing too, is, you know, being able to, um, you know, through WGN, be able to see them early on uh, when, the, when they did get back on TV and then, you know, catching games on the radio, like a, like a 1940s hockey fan. Like, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a throwback, uh, you know, in, in the, in the new millennium, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that things changed by the yeah. time I was, you know, in high school. And that's funny. You mentioned WGN. That was a big part of my childhood as well. Like we had the Atlanta Braves for, you know, TBS. I mean, they broadcast everywhere. Same yeah. with WGN. And we, Oh yeah. It was a, uh, like 98 during the home run race. Like, <laughs> we we used to watch cubs games on wgn all the time so yeah oh yeah yeah, i know wgn well so (laughs) yeah and yeah it's funny to look back on like especially with like the new deal that the nhl is going into with like espn and tnt and like the the how hard it is not to get like nhl content right now and like when we used to go through those blackouts and having to really search out scores like in the papers or Mm -hmm. like when you were talking about the video games, I used to do the same thing. I would simulate seasons on my PlayStation one NHL (laughs) uh, franchises just to learn the players. I would track the stats. Like that's how I would, I would see them in the paper and I, my way of watching the game was simulating it in the game. So I, Mm -hmm. I can relate to you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was something I did too. You know, when, when I was getting into the sport um, you know, the, the NHL, you know, 2001, 2002 um, from EA was like, you know, I I would play that. I would see the names and then I would, you know, see the, the highlights on like sport, you know, the old version of sports center um, and, you know, start correlating those things, catching, like catching national games and being like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, being able to, to, to tie in the players that I remember seeing yeah. like, Oh, in the video game. Cool. Like, yeah, Joe Sack at the avalanche. They're, they're awesome. Like, you know, and yeah. then, and then watching them on TV. Um, Cause that was an age where you didn't have like every player's analytical breakdown. And like, you could see like, Oh, okay. I saw that player. I know his like Corsi stats and his offensive zones. Like we, there was nothing like that. So it was just like, you know, for me, um, it was a lot of like transfer over from like watching like highlights on, on sports center playing the games and then like catching national games. And yeah, it was just, it was just a different time, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, talking about like nostalgia and throwback stuff, it's, it's, it's very interesting to like, and fun to like think back to those old times of like, that's how, you know, a a generation kind of was, was, was brought into the sport. Yeah, and watching those national games, hoping they would reference your team. Like, mm-hmm. even though they weren't on television, you were hoping because it was like they were, they got to witness a world that you didn't get to witness. Yeah. So if they'd make like an offhand comment about somebody being second in assists, you're just, you're, you're holding on to every comment 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like those national broadcasts don't have that anymore because like I said, you can get content everywhere, but yeah, that's the generation we grew up in <laughs> where the man yells at cloud generation. Oh but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, so you, you became a fan, you're, uh, absorbing everything you could through the paper and WGN and everything. How did this fandom get you into where you are now? Well, I, I mean, besides hockey, I've, I've always been like huge into sports. Like it was, a, it's always been a huge part of my life. Um, you know, I grew up playing, you know, pretty much everything you could as a kid, hockey, basketball, football, you know, soccer, baseball, all of them. Um, and, you know, as I, as I grew up, I, the, the list whittled down and then into high school, um, you know, just playing a, a handful of sports, you know, keeping up playing hockey, like in rec leagues and stuff. Um, but then like football was my major thing. And, um, you know, always being a fan of sports, it was like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is kind of what I know best, what I do best. And how can I turn that into something I do in the real world? Yeah. So I ended up um, going to college for broadcast journalism. And I had a, ambition of being you know on tv or radio or something as like a as like a sports anchor sports host something like that and and it it didn't really um it didn't really turn to like the writing side until until later in college but um you know just just being involved in in sports broadcasting and communications that was the path i wanted to go down um and, and and so when i got out of school I worked at a a radio station in Milwaukee that at the time did the, they had the Milwaukee Admirals games on their, on their network. And then they also had like a a weekly Admiral show. So, you know, it, for the station I was at, you know, with, at at that time it was heavy brewers, Packers, um, you know, bucks were, not not they weren't the bucks that they are now yeah um but definitely the the admirals were like you know lowest in the packing order of you know coverage and i thought okay like i love hockey i've grown up with the admirals you know my since i've been you know been following the sport gone to a bunch of games like let me see what i can do to kind of be part of the admirals um broadcasting so what that ended up turning into was writing. Um, so I would, I would go to games and I would do, you know, blogging on an independent site and then eventually was doing, um, you know, game stories and, and features and stuff for the radio station's website. Um, and then, you know, di- different opportunities started to come about and then that turned into writing about the Blackhawks. Um, and then, you know, over the years, uh, just kind of kept with it and then moved from, from one site to another, to another, uh, over, you know, I'd say, when did I start doing that for the Blackhawks? Probably it was after it was middle of the season after the 2015 cup, um, that I, that I started with the, the first site that I was with for, for Blackhawks coverage. Um, so that would be over five years ago um, that I started that. And then it's, it, 
you know, in, in this uh, January of 2021 is when I started with Bleacher Nation. And um, they've actually been the first opportunity that I had to do it as a job. Everything before that was just, you know, hobbyist. And I treated it like a full-time job, but I saw no money from it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, a lot of, lot of people, um, you know, come up through that and, and have had that experience. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy to be with Bleacher Nation and very happy that it's like the, this is like the first like time that it's like paid can yeah. live off it. And it's, uh, it's, it's been great. How long were you covering the admirals? Um, I did a season and a half with the admirals. Um, because then when I, when I left the radio station, I didn't continue with them. Have you got to a point yet with your Blackhawks coverage that some of your admirals players have been included in some packages or like in some trades or have you, have have those streams crossed (laughs) at all? Well, so when I was, when I was covering the admirals, one of the sites that I started to, to work with, I actually then was doing like all of the central division for the AHL. So I was doing like Admirals, Chicago Wolves, Rockford Ice Hogs. Like I, I would, I would get those, all those teams together. Um, so I, so I had Admirals and, and then a lot, a lot of Ice Hogs coverage. And then when I moved from the Admirals, uh, or when I left the radio station, I then the next site that I worked for, I, I had that same mentality of like, okay, everyone wants to write about the Blackhawks. What can I do to kind of wiggle into something that's not really getting a lot of attention, but that I could maybe like make my own thing. And the ice hogs, I, I was already like, you know, kind of ingrained with them a little bit. So I thought, okay, let me continue with that and kind of make that my thing. And so, so like prospect coverage and AHL coverage over the years has been something that I've always kind of been, been like really deep ingrained with. And recently it's, I haven't been able to pay as much attention as I used to, but still keeping up with it. But, um, but yeah, so like the, the, the years of, you know, when I was covering the admirals, um, the, what year was it? 20, I think 20, the, the 2017, uh, series between the Blackhawks and the predators Mm -hmm. where the predators swept them. Yes. That was like, that was weird because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for the Blackhawks, obviously, but all the Predators players are like the admirals that I used to yeah. cover. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, yeah. I'm like <laughs> all the, all these guys that I, that I like got to know and like had good relationships with. I'm like, son of a, like, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it, I, I was, I was really like happy for them, but like still pissed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, um, seeing, seeing those guys, um, come up through Milwaukee and then, and then go to Nashville was, was really cool. Um, and one of them was actually, uh, Scott Darling who yeah. ended up winning a cup with the Blackhawks in, in, in 2015. Um, so that was, that was really cool to see him come through Milwaukee and then get up to Chicago and, and, and make a name for himself. Yeah. And it's at the time of this recording, the, um, all NHL teams are finishing up their prospect camps and their tournaments right now. And back to a point we were talking about earlier with like the ease of access of content when it comes to these NHL teams, you can sit down and watch these prospect camps and these tournaments where Mm -hmm. that was unheard of for like us growing up. Now you can, you can get on, you can pull it up on your computer and you can watch this. So yeah, 
your your average fan has the access to watch these prospect camps and fall in love with prospects but again you'll see these players come around like you got to experience with like your admirals in nashville like these guys that you're falling in love with even though they're wearing the sweater in these camps they will come back to haunt you at some point right yep yep so it's one of those you're falling in love with these prospects early. You're getting uh, to know them, but they will come back at some point and not mm-hmm. wear your sweater. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why then? Yeah. Especially like there were, there were some, some Admirals players like, uh, like Victor Arvidsson and Kevin Fiala yes. that like came up and I was like, man, these guys are going to be good and they're going to make life hard for the Blackhawks. <laughs> so I've, that's like, I, I enjoy watching the the Twitter comments about everybody falling in love with different prospects that are on their teams. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm like, can we just hold on to these guys? Oh yeah. Because, Cause if, oh, yeah. if they move, cause uh, we had uh Ron Graves, he's the father of Ryan Graves. He uh, was drafted oh, yeah. with the Rangers and played with the abs and traded to the devils. Um, he's one of those players that like was a great prospect and the Rangers didn't give him a shot and flourished in Colorado and was um, the fanfare was out when he arrived in New Jersey. Yeah. And I have a feeling we'll have more of those stories come out of this prospect camp. So fall in love with these names while you can, but just wait. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's the thing is like, um, you know, for, for, for me with, uh, with, with like the ice Hawks into the Blackhawks over the years, um, you know, a couple guys like, uh, like, like Tavo Teravainen yeah. and Ryan Hartman and these guys, you know, seeing them come up through the ice hogs, I was like, man, these guys are going to be really good Blackhawks. And then pff, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously Teravainen is the one that hurts the most, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing them progress through their careers and then either they, you know, they stick around and they become like the next like franchise guys or they're, or they're trade bait. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a weird life and, and can imagine it's only weirder for them to actually live it. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. And like locally here in Birmingham, we don't have AHL or ECHL. We have an SBHL team, the Birmingham bulls. And okay. that's basically the feeder for the feeder. Like yeah. you get three to seven day contracts, sometimes 10 to go up to the ECHL and you work your way yeah. up. Yeah. And we've had one of our goalies, make it all the way up to the AHL. And that's a new wrinkle when it comes to watching prospects, watching them come from like this super feeder league and starting working their way all the way up. Oh yeah. It's been, it's extremely fascinating watching it from that aspect because you hear about random stories like that, but I get like having that firsthand account and like back to the NHL games, you pull up the roster for like the AHL and you're, you see your goalie from two years ago for the Birmingham mm-hmm. Bulls and you're like, oh, yeah. So prospects are coming from everywhere and just seeing the new wrinkles of the game and where its reach is going nowadays is it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just seeing, uh, you know, the, the expansion of the leagues um, at all the levels, just kind of reaching out to, to different markets, uh, you know, with with the NHL going to uh, Vegas and Seattle. Um you know, in Vegas, especially it was like, 
you know, people were wondering, like, are they even going to care about hockey? And then they come out and go to the cup final in their first year. Yeah. You know, they, they set the precedent, uh, you know, set the standards pretty high. Um, you know, and, and with the AHL, you know, they, they expanded in California, uh, mm-hmm. a, a while back and, um, that's been a, a, a huge success for that league. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see the, the expansion of the sport in, in North America, obviously it's huge in Canada, but, you know, continuing to, to grow it in, you know, in the States and, and in the South by you too, where it's yep. not very prevalent is, uh, is, is, is really cool to see. And now that the NHL is allowing their players to compete in the Olympics again, I see the um, international appeal of the NHL ramping back up again, mm-hmm. where it's been kind of down. Um, it's you, you don't you don't have the um, those international players that would be imposing like in the 80s and 90s. I mean, Detroit basically built their teams off international talent. Mm-hmm. And now I think with NHL getting back on the forefront, getting back in the Olympics, I think in the next couple of years, we'll start seeing more international prospects becoming a hot commodity. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you lose an entire, you know, Olympic cycle with not going in 2018. Um, So it's, it's something that, you know, you, you, you hold, you felt like for me, at least it felt like, you know, a lot of NHL fans um, and a lot of like, you know, global hockey fans were kind of holding on to those memories of like 2010 and 2014 and stuff like that. Um, you know, on, on, on the men's side of things. And it's funny though, like I think about the 2018 winter Olympics and having it be strictly like no one on an NHL contract could play. It was really, it was a a really cool wrinkle to see like, okay, well, so who's going to be on team Canada yeah. and like team USA, like, cause all those guys would have come from the NHL. Um, and so you see like, you know, you see young players, you see guys that are like on AHL only contracts, like coming over or you get, you get a guy like, like uh, James Wisniewski, who I don't even think he was playing at the time. He was just like, Oh, I'll sign like a, I'll sign like a two month contract with some random AHL team just so I can play in the Olympics. Like, it was just so interesting. Um but then you get, you know, teams in, in Europe and some of them are, are sometimes strictly only built with, you know, European players. So they don't even have, they don't worry about the NHL contract thing. Um, and I remember that's where like um, a guy like Dominic Kubelik, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's where he kind of broke out and yeah. made a, made a bit of a name for himself with the, with the Czech team before ending up, you know, coming over, uh, and, you know, being acquired by the Blackhawks and becoming, you know, a, a pretty prominent player with Chicago. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it, th- there is the opportunity um, for those international players. There was, you know, in 2018. And I think coming, coming back around now, this, this winter Olympics coming up, I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue with the NHL coming back that you're going to get, I think a lot more eyes on the games this year as long as the, the the league continues to you know agree to go um you're gonna get a lot more eyes on it than you did in, in 2018 and that's gonna be great for you know again another cycle of international prospects that could make a name for themselves yeah and it's it's just there's this feeling in the air going into this season that the nhl is on the cusp of really breaking out in popularity and where <laughs> i remember the days of having to find games on outdoor life and versus networks mm-hmm. to get NHL <laughs> games. So yeah, 
to see how far it's come and to see like a buzz um and back on espn and back on networks Mm -hmm. it's it's a positive thing where do you think your blackhawks are going to fit in this season um there have been some incredible moves yeah um, and there's been it's i kind of like how chicago's constructed but is it enough for a full 82 game season there's a lot of boomer bust with chicago this year um all the things that they did in the off season as far as like roster construction is like surprising i did not expect that to be the the direction that they were going um you know at the, at the end of last season i was like all right a couple of rookies made some made some improvements and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Jonathan Tays over the summer and we'll come into next year with hopefully higher expectations. I didn't think it was going to be, we're going to be buyers and we're, you know, this, this quote unquote rebuild is over. I didn't expect that at all. So I think they, they probably see the window of like the Kane and Tays era, the, the, the last remnants of those three Stanley cups, I think they see that window starting to close and they think, okay, we don't have time to rebuild anymore. Yeah. You know, especially with, you know, the year lost from Taze, it seems like, you know, who knows what his, what his longevity is. Um, so coming into this year, they, there's much higher expectations than uh, I think a lot of people were preparing for. So that's, going to generate a lot of intrigue you know they, they released the uh the national broadcast um schedule for this for this season and i think i i think if, if i'm not mistaken the 13 games that they that the blackhawks are going to be on national tv because they include the like espn plus as national tv which i don't but anyways um i think those 13 games are like tied for the most in the league with mm-hmm. a few other teams so they're going to have a lot of eyes on them nationally, uh, which has kind of been the, you know, when, when they were winning all those cups, that was like the thing. It was like, you're always going to get a Blackhawks game like once a week on NBC or something. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of expectations. I, I think there's, there's a scenario in which, you know, Seth Jones in a, in a new system and in a new city with kind of a fresh start and knowing that a team has like an investment in him, there's an, there's a, a chance that, you know, he could go back to being maybe not even the, the 2017, 18 Seth Jones, that was like a Norris trophy candidate, but like something closer to that. Um, that's, that would be huge. Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe replicating or close to what he did last year would be huge. Patrick Kane and Alex to If they can replicate what they did last year, the paces that they played at, that would be huge. And if Jonathan Taze comes back and is, as healthy as people continue to say he is, I think there's a scenario in which you're talking about a Blackhawks team that could be even in a tough central division, a playoff contender and a team that might be able to make noise on the other side of that. All those things could not happen. Seth Jones could continue to struggle. Mark Andre Fleury could potentially fall off of a cliff at the age of 37 in a city that he didn't seem all that committed to be wanting to go to in a situation that he, that he may or may not be jazzed about. Patrick Kane is apparently still dealing with some minor issue that he's been dealing with for like almost two years that could slow him down. 
as far as Alex Dabrinkit goes, and I, I think what we saw from him last uh, or, or in 2019, 20, I think that was an anomaly. I think what we saw from him in his first two seasons and last year is more of the player that he is I'm not as worried about him. Um, and then there's a chance Jonathan Taves comes back and he's a shell of himself yeah. or not healthy enough to play more than 40, 50 games, you know, who knows? And then you might be talking about a Blackhawks team that's just going to completely fall on their face and be selling at the deadline and be picking in the lottery again. I think both of those scenarios are both very real. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what side of the fence they ended up, they end up falling on. Cause it was, it was crazy to see how the season ended and then to hear Kirby doc possibly being packaged away. Mm-hmm. And then maybe just a week or two later, all these moves are being made. And I wonder if the Jonathan Taze, everything that went on with him, if it didn't freak out management just a little bit to make a knee-jerk move and where it's either going to be, like you said, it's either going to be boom or bust, and I'm afraid of what the bust could be if you, like, abandon the rebuild right now. Yeah. This is not where you want to be abandoning a rebuild for the roster. If half of those transactions didn't don't pan out, it's going to be a difficult hill to climb with teams like um, Winnipeg on the climb. There's a lot of teams in division that are um, improving. So this mm-hmm. is the year to either boom or it's going, <laughs> you'll be right there with Arizona for a while. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing with like the central division is like what, like you look at it and you're like, other than Arizona, like what team can you point at and definitively go like, Oh, they'll be bad. Like there's Damn. none of them. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, Colorado is like the consensus number one in the division. Um, and then beyond that, it's just like, well, well, Dallas missed the playoffs last year, but they had so much bad luck with, mm-hmm. with injuries that it's like, you got to think they come back and, and are going to be one of the top teams in the division. You have the, you know, the blues are always going to be uh, an issue you know, if, if Minnesota can figure out what they're doing with Kaprizov, they're going to be a very uh, difficult team to deal with. Chicago, uh, you know, boom or bust. If they boom, like that's another team you got to have to worry about. And, and, you know, you mentioned Winnipeg too. So it's just like, it's a very difficult division. And there's really like, there's seven teams that you're like, could see all of them in, in some scenarios being like, oh yeah, they'll probably make the playoffs. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see where everything, you know, plays out. And um, yeah, if they, if they bust at this point, like you, I think if, if you have a season where nothing goes the way you think um, and it's not like injury driven, I think you might be looking at a potential like coaching change. You might be looking at like a front office change. You might be looking at that for other reasons too. Um, You might be looking at moving like, some major players like and it's you know it's it sounds weird to say but it's just like if you bust now what what is your incentive to keep around Patrick Kane because if you bust this year and keep him you know where do you go because you you have him for one more year if you bust this year are you going to try and like just like restockpile and try it again for one more year next year like that wouldn't make any sense 
And if you're not seeing the development from like the younger players that you had from last year to this year, if you're not seeing that continue, like, what are you, what are you hanging your hat on? And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it really just feels like it, like a team that's like on the tipping point between like being really good and being like, you know, tumbling back down the mountain, so to say. And the scary thing, not just for this year alone, but the teams that we, we made fun of Arizona earlier, but Arizona's getting younger and loading up on draft picks for next year. And they have something, they have something like what, like not in the next two drafts, they have like nine picks in the first two rounds or something like that. Like crazy draft capital. Detroit, Anaheim and Los Angeles Kings have all been quietly just, they've been Mm -hmm. curating um, talent prospects. Like they've accepted being bad. They've accepted their rebuild and they have been quietly working. So if it's, if you're taking steps back this year, this might be a middle of the road spot for you this year. Next year, you're going to be bottom of the bin because mm-hmm. everyone's getting so much better quietly in the divisions and the league. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, those teams you mentioned, they've been playing the long game in, in the rebuild process. And that's, that's where I thought Chicago was going to be doing. I did too. And, and, and then you have a, a summer like this year, this summer, and you're just like, Oh, I guess that's not the case. Um, and, and you're kind of hanging a lot on being like, well, it better work out. Otherwise, like you said, like it's, it's going to be bad. Cause these other teams, you know, that are, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be coming up with a lot of young players and a lot of, a lot of young players that probably are going to pan out to be pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, talking about, you know, prospects earlier, the, the Blackhawks prospect system, um, is really deep with like, middle range talent but the top cabinets are are not too populated mm. and that's kind of what you get with you know drafting in in the mid rounds for a few years uh or the middle of, the, of you know first round and, and, and second round and whatnot for a few years and, and and the back end of rounds too uh you know when they were having you know success at the stanley cup levels and stuff um and that's where you got to have like you know, prospects that you find in late in rounds that hit and there, there haven't been too many of those for Chicago. So it's like, you know, the prospect system is, is, is good with like the complimentary talent, but that top talent, you really don't have a lot of it outside of like Kirby doc, who's, you know, pretty much going to be, you would consider like not a prospect anymore, basically by the start of this season. Um, and, and Lucas Reichel and like, that's it. And the pieces that you have, with the Blackhawks organization, they're here for now. They're not really future tradable assets. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's um, it's an interesting ride, and I can't wait to see where things go for Chicago this year. I look forward to the Avalanche and Blackhawks rivalry getting back to what it used to be. Those were those were incredible games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and the the Avalanche are gonna be a team that are they're gonna be a measuring stick for everyone else in the division. Um, so if, if they can have some, some competitive games and, and maybe beat the avalanche a few times, it'll make me feel a little bit better, but I'm not expecting that at least to start out of the gate. I, I think the avalanche are, you know, division favorites, conference favorites, cup favorites for a lot of people. And, and they're going to be very difficult to, to deal with. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Chicago matches up with them. And I look forward to it. I know we play, um, a couple of those national games against you. So first game of the season. Yes. First game of the season is uh, the the TNT debut doubleheader 
And then, uh, yeah, so that'll be right out of the gate. That'll be a, a tough one. So no yeah, pressure. It, it no should, pressure. Yeah, no, not at all. No, just, <laughs> you know, just, just come out against the, the, the conference favorite and, and see what you can do. And have Wayne um, Gretzky break you down. That's whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, man, it has been an honor to have you on. Um, I've enjoyed the conversation and if you want to come back on and update us on the Chicago Blackhawk situation throughout the year, once you come on here in Puckburg, you're a, you're a permanent resident here. So <laughs> it is an honor to have you here. And why don't you go ahead and throw out your socials and how people can find you? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me. It was, it was, I really enjoyed the, the, the conversation. And, um, you know, I, I love doing stuff like this leading, leading up to the year. It kind of, you know, gets, gets me revved up even more yeah. uh, as we get, uh, get closer to the start of the season. Um, yeah, social media is, uh, you can find me on, uh, on Twitter at Mario underscore Tarabasi, uh, T-I-R-A-B-A-S-S-I. I know it's not an easy, easy name <laughs> to just get off at the top of your head. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can, you can follow, uh, Bleacher Nation, uh, at Bleacher Nation, pretty straightforward. And then, uh, you can follow the Bleacher Nation Blackhawks, uh, on Twitter at BN underscore Blackhawks, um, yeah, give us give us a follow if you're a, if you're a Blackhawks fan, and if you, if you're not, you can follow us and 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 uh, you know hate hate tweet at us. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll take we'll, we'll take you know take whatever. It's, it's it's all in good fun. And when this episode drops, we'll have all your socials tagged in the post, so everybody can. If you didn't catch it, um, go follow, give them a like, yeah. keep up with the Blackhawks this year, and this is your first time as well stopping by here in Puckburg. We're on Twitter as well. H Puckburg. We're on Instagram here, underscore in underscore Puckburg. We have a Facebook. And if you'd like to come on and share your own puck tale, you can email the show at here in Puckburg podcast at bellyupsports.com. So Mario, again, thank you so much for coming on and everyone else. Thank you for stopping by here in Puckburg and we will see you again real soon. <laughs>